horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, and here's a look at this evening's menu. So glad you tuned in. Uh, we will have as our first guest, a first-time starter on the show. I listen to this guy every Monday and Tuesday when I'm listening to TVG. And Rich Perloff gets the honor of, uh, well handicapping the races on Monday and Tuesday, which uh, I don't know was the big boys, but he does a great job. He's got super delivery and dug a little bit into his background. I'm looking forward to finding this out. He's been an actor, director, a lawyer, a university professor. Uh, won't go into that in detail right now. I'll let Rich tell the story, but uh, you know, he's uh, just done a great job on TVG. So I want to find out uh where he's been and uh, how he got to where he, he is now. I know he was a fan since the 70s. And then a gentleman whose voice you will recall, the Deacon of Del Mar, I'll call him this week, none other than Rich Ng from his home base in Las Vegas. Of course, he's the author of a book that he titled for me, Handicapping for Dummies, which is the Beginner's Bible. Uh, so it's uh, we just have so so much riches on winning ponies, and tonight it's Rich Perloff and Rich Ng. We also hope you have some riches by pulling down our easy win forms at winningponies.com. They're easy to use; they're not expensive. But check this out: just today, at the spa at Saratoga. A $1 pick six. This was the races five through 10. We nailed it for 2,136. Hope you had it at the spa. Of course, we'll also be covering Del Mar this week. And just a couple of days ago, we nailed a 50 cent super five that paid $2,024. And let's pick one of our bigger hits of the week. How about at Mountaineer? This was two evenings ago a one dollar super five returned over forty eight hundred dollars those are your easy win forms and you get them right here at winningponies.com uh the results i've given you are all posted so you can see uh, uh the wins and losses of the easy win sheets and you're going to need them this week we're going to be handicapping some tough races primarily at Del Mar and Saratoga and then we'll sneak down to Monmouth Park for the Philip H. Isselin. So that's a look at the menu coming up. Well, racing uh, uh, took a, a gut punch this week. Uh, when you're 87 years old, it's not totally unexpected, but B. Wayne Hughes, the billionaire businessman and philanthropist who resurrected Spendthrift Farm and turned it into one of the leading stallion farms in North America, passed away on Wednesday. This is a nice way to go at his residence on the farm, surrounded by his family. Uh, the guy did a lot in his uh, 87 years. He was born back in 33 uh, in the Dust Bowl. 
uh, in uh, Gatebo, Oklahoma. I'm sure some of our fans from Oklahoma will say, John, you pronounced that wrong. But uh, he, uh, he won a scholarship to the University of Southern California and graduated a degree in business, uh, started out in real estate. Um, but, you know, he, okay, the guy's a billionaire, right? But he was very well known for sticking with kind of his middle class habits, eating fast food, uh, the In-N-Out Burger when he was in California, things like that. Uh, and, and he always kind of helped the little guy. And it probably had something to do with, uh, you know, the way he uh, introduced uh, different programs uh, into Spendthrift Farm to give uh, breeders kind of a, a way to get in on the inside and it wasn't too uh, overly uh, expensive. Now, of course, we'll all remember his uh, orange and blue silks on the great uh, Beholder, uh, who was a half-brother to a great stallion, there's no doubt about it, into mischief is right there. You know, if you say the words curling or tap it, you got to say into mischief as the leading sires in North America. But uh, B. Wayne Hughes, he's one of those old owners who like to come to the track, see his horses train, have breakfast at the track. He was an old school guy and uh, was able to make it in this world. Uh, certainly very successful. I mean, Spendthrift Farm back in its heyday. I remember going there as a young photographer and taking pictures of Seattle slew and affirmed. Think about that. Well, we got it again. Two triple crown winners standing at the same farm. They've got it at Coolmore now with uh, justified American Pharaoh. But Sham was also there, the horse that uh, ran behind uh, Secretariat so often, proud Clarion Kentucky Derby winner. They were a little bit older when I got there. But uh, the, the, the farm lost some of its shine and B-Way Hughes came back and started with Malibu Moon and then worked his way into, into mischief. And now we see that he has been filling it with uh, similar bloodlines, uh, though not exclusive, but just trying to keep it strong. So uh, he will be missed in this sport. I haven't heard what's going to happen uh, with the farm. Uh, I'm really know that he surrounded himself with good people and hopefully they will continue uh, his uh, reputation in the uh, the rise of Spendthrift Farm. <clears throat> well, uh, here's something. Uh, Todd Pletcher, like my son Jake, is positive for COVID-19. Uh, of course, what a year. He gets inducted to the Hall of Fame last Friday, and then uh, he, was start, he was getting allergy symptoms. Uh, he, uh, guy on his staff, turns out he came down, he got tested, and it found out that he really didn't have the traditional COVID system, uh, symptoms rather, uh, but nonetheless, uh, going to be locked down for about 10 days. I'm sure his cell phone still works and he knows what's happening in the Pletcher barn. We'll be talking about uh, s some of uh, his horses uh, uh, later in the show when we get to the handicapping uh, segment. How about Got Stormy? Took the grade one four-star Dave against the boys at Saratoga. I hope you got a chance to see this race. It was fantastic. Fantastic. She was overlooked. She'd won this race in the past, but was overlooked at the betting window. But um, 
it looks like now she's on her way to Kentucky, going to come uh, back to Kentucky Downs for her next start on September 11th. And uh, also now in the Hall of Fame, trainer Mark Cassie uh, says that the six-year-old will be going in the Mint Lady Sprint. Uh, But she won it last year, but she's back against the boys in the $1 million turf sprint. Uh, September 11th, put it on your calendar. You'll want to be watching Kentucky Downs. It's one heck of a day. So she's now on 12 of 30 starts, over $2.3 million. And Got Stormy was one of those horses that B. Wayne Hughes was involved in. He paid $2.75 million for her at the uh, mixed sale at Phasing Tipton. Instead of retiring her and breeding her to one of his top stallions, decided to put her back in training and opened up ownership of her to my racehorse stable, which Spendthrift founded. So all these people with micro shares uh, were able to get crazy on Saturday as got stormy, stormed down the stretch. Good luck at Kentucky Downs. Uh, another return winner, Superstock. Remember Superstock? Well, uh, he won the Ellis Park Derby. That was a grade three, kind of buried in all the other racing over the weekend, though they could continue to give you good cards on the weekends. And uh, so it looks like now uh, Asmussen uh, is is going to be uh, heading to the Oklahoma Derby. Smart guy. He's going to dodge some of the big boys till a little bit later in, in the year. And uh, so uh, super stock, take stock. We'll be seeing you in Oklahoma. And how about Jimmy Graham, the Irishman, uh, won Arlington Park's premier race and gets Jockey of the Week honor. Uh, returned to Arlington Park where he had so many great wins. And uh, it was the Mr. D Stakes. And perhaps you're scratching your head and going, the, mil- the I don't remember the Mr. D Stakes. Well, you remember the Arlington Million, right? Well, they changed the name for this, what apparently will be the final running. And uh, so instead of the million, it was the Mr. D, 600,000. And uh, he went wire to wire on two Emmys at a price. Uh, We talked about it last week. He had the early speed. He's a son English channel. They love the turf. And this is a mile and a quarter race wire to wire kind of just gave him the slip into the stretch and held on by a neck by the horse I love, Domestic Spending, who just put in a sensational stretch run. What a turn of foot Domestic Spending has. It was a great close. I thought we were going to have a John Henry kind of finish, but it didn't happen. It was two Emmys holding on, and Jimmy Graham gets Jockey of the Week uh, for his for his effort there and in the money percentage during the week of 40%, his purse is told over $407,000. And, uh, from there, let's also look at some of the other races we looked at last week up at Arlington park. Uh, it was the Beverly D and in there, man, look out for this girl. When, uh, we get, Uh, heading towards the Breeders' Cup. Santa Barbara, so impressive in the 
uh, the the Belmont Oaks in her prior start. She's trained by Aiden O'Brien, ridden by Ryan Moore, coming in from across the pond. It is an Irish bred, and uh, did notice that she had the opportunity and did race on Lasix. But anyhow, just the the Belmont Oaks Invitational was just sensational. She was blocked for most of the race and got out and got it done and also got it done in the grade one Beverly D over Mean Mary, who set all the pace. We thought maybe she could steal it with Luis Saez in the saddle, but just couldn't hold on in the third spot. The Chad Brown trainee, he had won the last five editions of the Beverly D. La Mista, another Irish bread. Uh, then uh, it was the Secretariat, not held as the greatest field ever, but the winner in there was Point Me By. A Colt making his third lifetime start, had the top buyer coming in here and cleared the field after being bumped and won by two and three quarters of a links over Tango, Tango, Tango. Ginsburg was third, so we'll be uh, hopefully... Uh, you know, hearing from those three-year-olds down the road. And then, of course, uh, over at Saratoga, got to love the Saratoga special. And the winner in here at 10 to 1, Bill Mott trainee, High Oak, a son of young sire Gormley, got the job done with Junior Alvarado in the saddle by four links. So remember the name, High Oak, now two for two lifetime. And stretched out to six and a half. Let's see what happens down the road. In the second spot was Gunite, a son of Gunrunner, trained by Steve Asmussen. And third was Nakatomi, a Wesley Ward trainee. Well, that's a look at some of the national news. There was a lot to cover. And the races that we handicapped last week, we thought they were the best in the country for the region we were handicapping. And we come back again. It's a show filled with riches. Rich Perloff and Rich Inger are our guests. We're going to take a quick break. I'm John Engelhart, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. BUSR. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Been looking forward to this interview all week long. Uh, i become a big Rich Perloff fan. You're probably saying, Rich Perloff? Who's Rich Perloff? I thought, yeah, you got to quit your job and watch TVG uh, or in the early part of the week, and you'll find out who Rich Perloff is. Uh, he, he's uh, Yeah, you know, Go ahead, John. They've got they got me on, you know, like four or five days a week. So I do I do work some weekends, but the the people that watch me on Monday and Tuesday, they know that I live for those shows. Those are the shows that I get to run the way I want. They're very interactive. I love to get other opinions other than mine into the the conversation, and we have a great time. Yeah, and you do do that. I can see that you're out of your corner of your eye. You're looking at your Twitter feed, and you're getting input from people, which I love that interactive feel. Like, hey, somebody is watching. Somebody is listening. Somebody is giving me input, you know, and uh, I beat whoever called in with the seventh race at Belterra last week. He won a one horse. I said, no way. So anyhow, I made money. Thanks. I hope a lot of people bet him because you mentioned the horse. But anyhow. Rich, your background sounds, I mean, first of all, I, you you got to be doing radio when you're not doing TV because your voice, you have super pipes. I'll tell you that right off the top as a guy that's been kind of cut cut into that business for a while. But tell me about before you got to TVG, I, I named uh, a few of your titles, actor, director, lawyer, university professor. I am humbled. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, here's the, I guess there are two things that are true. Number one, I, I couldn't hold a job for very long. And number two, <laughs> I just, I just, I just loved school. I love the, the learning process, you know, so I just kept finding different things to, to study and I kept acquiring these different skill sets. But you know what? Here's the bottom line, John, is that during my entire time as a, as a performing artist, during my entire time in law school and practicing law, which I did for a couple of years, during the entire time that I worked as a, as a university professor, I was always going racing that entire time. If there was a racetrack within you know, a three-hour drive, I was going to the racetrack. So that's like the great constant in my life. And, and a friend of mine who knew me through the racetrack gave me the heads up when TVG launched in 1999. And they said, hey, you know what? They're combining a couple of things that you know a little bit about. There's, there's the racing element and there's the performance element. You ought to lob these guys a phone call. And I did, and I've been with them for 20 years now. Well, uh, that was their win as far as I'm concerned. Now, what kind of lawyer were you, if I may ask? Did you have a specific uh, thing that you liked? There's so many different things well, to get into. For, for as long as I was practicing, I, I, was, I was a you know, junior litigation associate at a mid-sized firm in San Diego, California. And I loved living in San Diego, and I loved the lifestyle 
you know. But if you're if you're a incoming litigation guy at a firm like that, you know what you are? You're cannon fodder. That just means that any partner in the firm can grab you by the collar and say, hey, you're working on this case. So <laughs> I got to do a little bit of everything. Some of it I liked. Some of it I really didn't like. Ultimately, I started to gravitate more towards labor and employment matters just because the, the lawyers who ran that area of my firm's practice, they, they were very cool. They were fun people to hang out with. And those cases at least were about people, right? I mean, yes. the, the, the bank stuff and the contract and going through boxes of documents, that was just not my deal. Well, uh, now, tell me, you passed your knowledge on to the youths of America by being a professor. Give me a vignette well, of that. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, so that was after a couple of years of practicing law, when it dawned on me, as much as I liked law school, and I really did, as I say, I'm, I'm just an education junkie. As much as I liked law school, legal practice really wasn't doing it for me. What I tell people, John, is that I didn't hate being a lawyer, but I didn't love it. And I was working too darn hard, you know, for, for not enough satisfaction coming back in my direction. So I got it into my head that I wanted to take another crack at working in the theater, but not as a struggling wannabe actor. I'd had my fill of that. So I started applying for teaching gigs, and I was fortunate enough, and I can't stress that you know enough, I, I was very lucky to hook on with Ohio University, not Ohio State, Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and I became a member of their, their theater arts faculty, and I stayed there for about five years, and I, I loved that gig, just oh. absolutely loved it. Yeah, Hocking Valley there, and, and my son went to Hocking, one of my sons, and because uh, all of his buddies uh, were down with you at Ohio U, which was only a few miles away, and yep. uh, so I, I've been over there myself on numerous occasions, and Matt, that's a nice neck of the woods that nobody knows about, it really is. Now it's Gordon, well, they don't know about it except on Halloween, then, then like everybody comes out of the woodwork and hangs out in the in Athens, and it's it's absolutely crazy. Or so they tell me. Yes. Oh no. I I've got I've got a son that came back with a black and blue mark from a horseshoe on his face when he oh. fell down. When they, yeah, well the cops were chasing him down the street, so <laughs> it was his fault for being in the wrong place. But they were just clearing a crowd. It wasn't any one thing my son did. But he came back. I'm like, man, what's that on your face? He says, I think it's a horseshoe. I'm like, okay, yeah, glad yeah. you're still. badge of honor is what that is. Yeah, well, he, he he went on to breed a stakes winner, and uh, he was my little horseman. And uh, as a matter of fact, he's going to spend the weekend at a horse farm this week. But he's very successful in what he does. I won't go on about my my injured son. But Athens is a really cool place if nobody knows knows about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's funny that you were there, Ohio. U, a lot of my friends. But anyhow, I nah, digress. I loved it. Yeah, you know, and, and it was from, it was actually from my office at the university there in Addis that I had the initial telephone conversations with TBG that ultimately brought me back to Los Angeles, which is my hometown. Well, I will tell people this. Athens, Ohio is nowhere near a racetrack. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's well, a bit you of know a what? I mean, I, Mountaineer, so, maybe? 
Well, no, John, if I, if I traveled north towards Columbus, there's, there's the loop highway that goes around Columbus. And if I headed west, I could get to Beulah Park. If I headed east, I could get to Sioux Downs. And both of those were about an hour and a half from Athens. So I could get some live thoroughbred racing at Beulah. Now, every, every now and again, John, I took the three-hour drive to River Downs. There and I would go. play there or, or go across to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I loved it. Although, although, can I tell you, I had like the worst beat of my life at River Downs. The worst. So have I, but I'm back to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, did you, I, I, did still, you I remember it down it or did you lose in a head, Bob? No, no, no. I, it was, this was 1999 and I was there for a handicapping contest that had to do with that year's Breeders' Cup. Yeah, and I was they were qualifying guy. four yeah. people to go to the the big tournament in Las Vegas. Yes. And I had a knees. Remember a knees in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile? Yes, I do. I had that guy on top. Now they capped my mutual payoffs, which is which is fine, but I I stood there at the scorers table and I saw my name go from number 1 on the leaderboard 2 to 3 to four, and I finished fifth, and I mean, it was by like 50 cents of total bankroll, I missed out on the trip to Vegas. Oh, that was the man. So our, our paths have crossed, unbeknownst to the both of us, for sure, because uh, I hmm. helped run that contest with JoLynn Johnston. You probably remember her, because she's a very attractive I young sure woman. do. That, yeah, that name <laughs> rings a bell. I still take care of her farm when her and her husband, Jeff, who was a jockey at River Downs, uh, go on vacation. Uh, luckily, the farm's not too big. I can handle five horses. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, that is great. Well, sorry to hear about your bad beat. Well, listen, I'm taking you, since I know you can go out of your element from the West Coast, because I listen to you do it every Monday, I'm taking you even farther east to Saratoga. And if we get a chance, we'll shoot down the road to Mammoth Park. Uh, let me see, uh, because I'm probably jab her mouth too much. Well, anyhow, let's move along and I'll let my producer holler at me later. Well, let's start with the mile and a quarter Alabama. Everybody that's listening, wherever you are at 613 Eastern time, stop what you're doing and get to a television because this could be one of the best races of the year. The standouts, it's a true rubber match because they've met three times now and they've changed winning positions in the Kentucky Oaks and the Coaching Club American Oaks. And that is Maracuja and Malathat. Uh, who get, got the uh, the Saratoga Graveyard of Champions uh, hung on her uh, for a while. We'll see what she does on Saturday. But, it, I mean, it's a solid field with Army Wife and crazy, beautiful Clary Air. Uh, Rich, I asked you to handicap this uh, uh, race. Good luck. Who'd you come up with? Okay, well, you know, I, I agree with you. This, this race is loaded. You've got a number of Oaks winners at, at various venues, crazy, beautiful, won the, the Summer Oaks. I mean, Kenny McPeak is so great, isn't he? Ken McPeak, he just oh. loves to put these three-year-old fillies on a plane. He'll send them any place. He did the same thing with Swiss Skydiver. Crazy Beautiful, who's on the rail in the Alabama, is going to be making her 11th career start. This will be the eighth track that she has visited, and she's quality. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything against her, but the horse I'm going to pick on top here is Army White, and here's the angle. Army White has always shown 
a touch of quality for, for trainer Mike Maker. She did some serious growing up, it looks to me, between the end of her two-year-old campaign and the beginning of her three-year-old campaign. And the real fun started when Maker sent her around two turns. She's had three consecutive two-turn races. The last two have been open-length victories, and she has won for fun. And if you look at the race three back, the only two-turn dirt race that she didn't win was the grade three gazelle. The trackman's comment says she checked between. on the. It's way worse than that. She was absolutely sandwiched. She stopped, and she still got back into the bit in mid-stretch and passed a horse en route to that third-place finish. And then she ripped off back-to-back wins in the Black-Eyed Susan and Iowa Oaks. I think there's still more upside. Now they figured out exactly what she wants to do. I respect Malathot. I'm a little leery of the fact that that Maracuja jumped up on the buyer scale to put up that 97 last time. I'm, I'm just not convinced that she really is on a par with a Malathot. So that makes me wonder whether Malathot went back a little bit in that race. In any event, she's going to get bet hard because she won the first five starts of her career. And I'm going to try to beat her. I'm going to try to beat her with Army Wife, who I think is on the uptick now that they've discovered what she's best at. All right. Well, here's one for uh, for, for your notes, uh, uh, Rich Perloff. Uh, where did Kenny McPeak win his first race? I'm going to go out on a limb and say River Downs. Bing, 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 bing. All right. You win a wristband <laughs> from House Jewelers and a six-pack of Coke. Congratulations, Mr. All right. We'll be sure to ship those out to you. Uh, anyhow, uh, the, the Lake Placid at Saratoga's, uh, the, the race preceding, kind of a, a weak field for a grade two $200,000 race. I, I had a hard time in c- coming up with something. So my eye, as always, went to the obvious. Let's see. Chad Brown on the turf with a horse bred mm-hmm. Europe. You heard that before? That's my technical analysis of the Lake Placid. You know, one one of the things that I really like looking up and down this field is it seems to me I'm seeing more of this, John, in the last couple of years. I'm looking at these pedigrees and look at the European influence. Chad Brown's got a horse by Kingman, who was a great racehorse out of a See the Stars mare. Right next door, Brendan Walsh has got a daughter of No Nay Never. The the uh, runaway rumor for Jorge Abreu is by Flincher. I mean, so we've got all kinds of really interesting pedigrees. I'm going to try to beat Chad Brown. And the horse that I like in here, and, you know, call me crazy, I'm going to go with Ego Trip. Here, here's the thing. When I see a horse that is in a weird spot, and maidens in graded stakes races are in a weird spot, I'm not here to tell you that it's good, bad, or indifferent. As a handicapper, that just makes me stop and say, okay, as I scratch my head, what the heck is going on here? Ego Trip made her North American debut against Maidens at Saratoga on July 24th. It was only the second start of her career. Her debut was on synthetic, going seven-eighths down a straightaway. So she was first-time North America. She was first-time turf. She was first-time two turns. She was first-time Lasix. And she walked out of the gate. She was last in a (laughs) field of nine. She was still last at the quarter pole because Tyler Gatt-Leon really never asked her to run. It's not as though he was urging her. I don't know what the conversation was between Gatt-Leon and Brendan Walsh. 
But Gapleone didn't shake the reins at her until the top of the stretch. She immediately shifted into another gear. She didn't change leads until she was about at the eighth pole, and she flew home. There is something going on with this filly. If she goes forward, I mean, given all that I said about her North American debut, look at her buyer figure. I mean, if you take out the 90, the technical analysis, who's likely to be even money or odds on, if you take out the 90 that she earned in the Lake George last time out, Ego Trip put up a buyer figure the equal of just about anybody else in the field. If she goes forward with that race under her belt, uh, I think she's going to make some noise in the Lake Placid. Damn, Rich Perloff, you're good. I know my uh, my my mother Margot would have the Irish breads box for sure, and uh, we'll see what happens in the Lake Placid again. No world beaters in there, so there's no reason to think that Ego Trip couldn't get the job done, especially with yep. all the facts and stats that you just gave us. Well, down to about one minute to post. I know that's tough, but and and we're, we're talking about the Phil Islin. We're going to go from Saratoga, jump in our car, run down there. Um, it's, it's a grade three going a mile and a 16th. And let's face it, the buzz horse, cause this is not a field loaded with talent, uh, is code of honor, a gorgeous looking son, a noble mission yeah. that's in the hands of Shug McGahee. Hey, the Traverse Stakes was one of my all-time favorite races. It was uh, kind of a holy race of opportunity for my family to have, uh, you know, uh, reunions there. Love the Traverse. Any horse that wins the Traverse is okay in my book. I think he's just going to need a little pace up in front of him. You know that Suge McGahee, uh, you, you know, obviously didn't rush him back uh, after the Pacific Class or the uh, – down, down at Gulfstream. I always want to call that the Pacific Classic. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the, it, the Pegasus World Cup. Pegasus, thank you very much. And yeah. also, it's interesting, didn't have Lasix that race. We'll get Lasix back at Mammoth. Uh, I just got a feeling off this horse's training with the patient Shug McGahee, he's winding this horse up for bigger and better things down the road. I, I agree with that, which is why I want to try to beat him on Saturday. I, you I know, look it. off off of. <laughs> He's a he's a grade one animal. No disputing. He you know he has a significant class edge on this field. So here's a conundrum that handicappers deal with all the time. You've got a horse that is clearly bound for those grade one races. How 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 cranked up is he going to be for a grade three at a distance that's a little bit shorter than his best off of a layoff? And by the way, this is a horse that has not crossed the wire first in very nearly two years on the calendar. Let's try to beat him in the, in the Island because I, I think that he will not be 100% for this race. He might win it at 80%, but I don't think he'll be 100. I'm going to go to the horse on the outside here, Bryce. I mean, yes. you know what's crazy about this guy? He's on, a, he's on a pair. He's won one, two, three, four. He's won five in a row. He's never lost at Monmouth Park. But do you see how many times he was in for $8,000 and nobody took him? Yes. Finally. Jerry Hollendorfer says, okay, he keeps winning. Let me see what I can do with him. And first off the claim for Hollendorfer, all he does is go wire to wire by seven lengths, and he puts a career best buyer figure. So it's looking like it might be a sneaky good claim, and I think he's the speed of the speed. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm a G6 is going to do in here. He's a very fast racehorse, but his last two races for trainer Aubrey Mirage were around one turn in those mile races at Gulfstream. And if you look closely at Bryce's past performances, you'll see that he has the ability to sit just off 
the early pace and then assume command. I, I think the race goes through him. Now, look, if, if Code of Honor goes by him in a blur at the eighth pole, I won't be shocked. But if Code of Honor is just a little bit short of, you know, a, a really solid Rich, winning effort, Rich, you, you've price. been up against deadlines before, and I'm up against a deadline now. It was an honor to have you on. You're in trouble. I got your number. You'll be back on the show, no doubt about it. You can call me anytime, John. That was fun. All right. Rich Perloff from TVG. When we come back, the other half of our riches this week, none other than Rich Eng. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me right now, no stranger to Winning Ponies, Rich Ng is going to join us. And, you know, if you've listened to Rich and I before, you know that uh, we used to share the same old stomping grounds in northern Kentucky and southern Ohio. And, and, and Rich, it's a small world. I brought up with Rich Perloff, uh, Kenny McPeak's first win, and you've got a story about that. Yeah, I was the... PR director at Turfway Park, and uh, someone who was working for me and a friend of mine was Bruce Casella. Bruce and his brother, uh, Frank, went to uh, UK and Eastern Kentucky, and they knew Kenny McPeak. They were friends with Kenny McPeak. They were all in college at the same time. And uh, Kenny was mentioned that he was going to run this horse at River Downs and knew Bruce was around. So Bruce brought me, and I had never met Kenny before. So we were there, River Downs, when Kenny McPeak won the first race of his career. We were, we were spectators. That's fantastic. Well, uh, as as you know, River Downs was taken over by a casino entity, and they were pitching all the old race tapes. I mean, like they were worthless. And I got in there and dug through, and I forget the name of the horse, but I found Kenny's first win. I think it was on Betamax. Ooh. And so we still had an old machine. We looked at it. Kenny had long hair. First of all, he had hair. <laughs> And he had long hair. 
and he was really <laughs> thin, you know. But I mean, when you're training horses at River Downs, there's not a whole lot of money to go around to get fat on. But nonetheless, I I gave it to Kenny. I saw him a couple of weeks later down at Keeneland. I said, here's something I'll bet you never thought you'd see. And uh, he, he, he really seemed to appreciate it. But anyhow, Rich, how are things going for you? I know you made a quick side trip last week to uh, L.A. And uh, w- w- what's going on with you and uh, what's happening in Vegas? Well, I, I tell you what, we, uh, you know, we reopened for business. Governor uh, Steve Sisolak opened up the casinos 100% capacity a few months ago, and uh, so, so it was great getting people back in the casinos. Uh, unfortunately, we kind of had a surge of COVID, uh, so the casinos are still open, John, 100%, but uh, it's now mandatory indoors to wear a face mask. And as long as you wear a face mask and wash your hands, you're, you're okay. And um, I know, like, for example, next week we've got the uh, the NTRA National Handicapping Championship coming to the Bally's. It's going to be in yeah. town for the 26th through the 29th. And I've already been contacted by quite a few players because they're concerned about coming. But I guess the NTRA has done a nice offer to anyone who may be COVID-resistant that if they decide not to come to Vegas for this year, that their qualification, their qualifier win, will be held over to 2022. So I thought that was really magnanimous yeah. move on the part of the NTRA. So I applaud them for that. So the, the, the number is going to drop off a little bit, but, you know, I, I certainly hope people do come out and get a nice showing next week over at Bally's. Absolutely. That's the first time I heard that, Rich. I'm surprised I haven't seen it in print yet, but I'm sure it'll, it'll come out. That That's great. That's great. Well, uh, listen, um, I gave you a tough task this week uh, because I'm looking at these evenly matched and big fields. I mean, are you like a kid in the candy store on Saturday at Del Mar or what? No question about it. And, you know, one of the things surrounding the last six races on the Del Mar card is they've had this pick six carryover growing since opening day. And the Pacific Classic was uh, already noted as the uh, first of the two mandatory payout days. The second one is going to be closing day, of course, on Monday, September 6th. But uh, the pool was started today at $1.6 million. Uh, The race has just ended at Del Mar. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure nobody hit the pick six with a unique ticket. If if that's the case, then it's getting closer and closer to $2 million. So by Saturday, it definitely would be a $2 million uh, carryover pot plus whatever money gets put in. So people have uh, already talked about six or eight or 10 million. You know, there's, there's more experts than I who know what kind of, you know, what kind of jingle is going to go into the pot, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Those last six races at Del Mar, if people take a shot at it. And that's why we like to have Rich Ng on this show, ladies and gentlemen. He's always got the information coming. First, we find out the thing about COVID. Now he updates us on the Pixis. And now, now listen to this. He's going to give us three of the winners in the pick six. So <laughs> if you are one of the lucky people that, that, that hit it, I want you to contact me. I will give you Rich's address, and you need to send him some kind of monetary reward uh, for giving you three of the six. I, that sounds fair, doesn't it, Rich? Well, I tell you what, if, if somebody uh, uses the picks and wins the pick six, I'd be happy just with a, an ice cold beer and a, and a nice pizza pie. That'd be okay. Oh, you're still a cheap date, man. All right. <laughs> well, uh, let's start out with uh, 
Well, actually, for Del Mar, the, the, this is a sizable field, but um, of the three races we're going to do tonight, uh, the Del Mar Oaks, it's a grade one. Oaks, of course, uh, meaning it is for uh, th- three-year-old fillies. And uh, again, no huge headliner. So I kind of went back and like, well, how many graded stakes races are, are winners are in here? And from what I see, the late closer Madone is the only grade two winner. It's also a grade three winner. Uh, then you've got um, a going global who'll be going back to a mile and an eighth. The distance of the Oaks uh, is a three-time grade three winner. And uh, Fluffy Socks is a grade three winner at Del Mar when uh, he's not on, she's not on a plane somewhere because Chad Brown likes to fly that Philly everywhere um who did you come up with this in in this mishmash of a del mar oaks rich well you mentioned three of the strongest contenders and a lot of them come out of the san clemente which was run at del mar on july 24th uh the madone of the uh, four horse was uh, a small upsetter got up under jj hernandez at five to one upsetting going global who was two to five that day and got beat under Flavion Pratt. And in the same photo, not that far away, was the number eight horse, Tetragonal, who was third under Joe Bravo, who's been out here having a really excellent meet. He's a very skilled yes. jockey. I know you, you I know you know Bravo pretty well, and uh, he has fit right into this jockey colony. He's a dangerous, dangerous rider anytime he's on a live horse. So those three certainly are main contenders. Fluffy Sox is uh, one of the two the real interesting uh, shippers coming in. Uh, for this one for Chad Brown, Joel Rosario takes them out. But, uh, you know, this horse lost a technical analysis, who I believe is a stable mate. I believe that's another Chad Brown. So it's Chad Brown beating Chad Brown. Yes, but uh, but one, of the, one of the things that really jumped off the page at me is if, t- if you take a look at Fluffy Sox PPs, uh, Chad Brown sent this horse to Del Mar in November uh, to run in the Jimmy Durante. This horse already won a graded stakes race over this turf course. So I, I think that makes this horse even more dangerous that Chad Brown is shipping. So, uh, you know, that's a horse I don't think you can leave off your ticket. But but I'll throw out a horse who I, I think is going to be a real question mark. I'll be real interested to see, you know, what some of the betting is. But that's the number nine horse, Soaring Sky. Uh, first-time uh, European import for Jessica Harrington, and you get that uh, jockey Florent Giroux with uh, we know his agent real well, Doug Bradar. When yep. when Doug gets Florent Giroux on a horse like this, you know there's something up. So I, that's another horse that I wouldn't leave off my ticket. Is the nine Soaring Sky, twelve to one in the morning line, John. Uh, just a, a little more push on fluffy socks is I was looking at the races at Saratoga and I'm wondering why isn't Joel Rosario riding this horse or this horse or this horse. That's because he decided to get on the plane and go over and ride fluffy socks. And I think that's a, uh, an interesting indicator that he gave up live mounts at Saratoga to be on this one. Of course, for one of his top clients, Chad Brown. Now we're getting into a big field. And uh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll save the Delmar handicap for last, though. I want to make sure I get it in. But the, the Pacific Classic um, is the 10th, a million dollar race, grade one with the mandatory payout that, that Rich told us about. And the even the odds maker 
Ed Delmar is probably still scratching his head thinking, gee, should I have made express train the three to one shot? That's the favorite. When you get an $8 horse as the favorite, all that's telling you is this race is wide open and right behind him in the odds are uh, Dr. Post and Royal Ship. And there's a slew of five to one shots you can't leave out of there. Rich Eng, I'm dying to find out where you went on this race. Well, I tell you what, John. I, I've seen all these horses run in Southern California. The handicap division, in all honesty, is pretty weak in Southern California. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you who I was looking for to run in this race, but unfortunately, his development didn't allow him to. Uh, there was a John Sadler three-year-old named Flightline who uh, was so impressive in his debut, and uh, I, I was under the impression that Flightline was going to get a, a couple of starts at uh, Delmar, and he was the kind of horse I thought if he could get a win under his belt and come into the Pacific Classic, he would be super dangerous, very talented. But he's not obviously he's not in here. He's in training. But uh, your fans should put a flight line on their uh, horses to watch list, uh, you know, in their computer uh, to ID. I'm doing that right but, but, now. <laughs> but moving on to uh, the horses that are in here, I mean, I've seen these horses just basically take turns beating each other. And uh, I was looking for a new face, and uh, a horse you mentioned that's shipping in from uh, New York, Todd Pletcher's horse, the three, Dr. Post. Just the fact that he's a, a new, fresh face, new blood, um, and he's run against some pretty nice animals, you know, back uh, east. Um, I, I give him a real puncher's chance, and there's that man, Joel Rosario, again. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins back-to-back stakes races in the ninth and the tenth. But uh, Dr. Post, to me, is an interesting newcomer because I've seen all these other horses, John. Nobody stands out to me. No, no, they really don't. So, I mean, if, if you're betting tries or whatever, you, you you might have some fun with it because there's legitimate horses. You're going to have to go deep. You might have to get with a buddy and go in. But uh, I, I got a feeling whatever happens in this race, it, it's going to be a different price when you're talking about the exotics. That's for sure. Um you know, because like you said, these horses have all taken turns beating each other. And then Ex- Express Train might have got the slight nod from the handicapper in that he's the horse for course. Four starts at Del Mar, three wins in a second. I mean, that horse is legit. Yeah, that's an angle that's real positive as he does his best racing at Del Mar. He's got four lifetime wins. Three of them are at Del Mar. So that's real positive for, uh, for him and John Cheros. Uh, you know, Flavion Pratt has been unbelievably uh, focused here in Southern California during the Delmar meet. So just the fact that he's riding the two Tiz Magician, you have to move this horse up a couple of notches because he has been riding so well. Uh, this horse uh, coming off a mile and a half win in the Cougar the second. And as I say, this, you know, this, this field is so evenly matched. Maybe someone like Flavion Pratt could be the difference maker in the saddle. So, uh, you know, that's another horse I'm looking at. Well, uh, now, this one's really tough. Big field. Race is wide open. You talk about horses taking turns beating each other. Uh, this is a classic a- a- example. Um, and uh, so, anyhow, after sitting at a picnic table at a park nearby where I could have peace and quiet, I kind of gave the slightest of nods to United and Arclo. I, I guess just off experience, uh, United Race. The, the, the things I like about United, Rich, he's, he's got recent form. 
He was second by a head in this race last year to Red King, who's in the race. And this horse absolutely loves Del Mar. So the slightest of nods uh, to, to him. And then Arclo, he just shows up for everything. He's seven years old now, but uh, I got a feeling this is the real reason Florent Giroux came in to ride. Yeah, Arklow's been uh, one of his uh, uh, regular mounts. He's had a lot of success with him. Uh, the only thing I'm kind of concerned about is uh, I'm just wondering if this horse is starting to lose a step, you know, at 8-7. His, his race in the United Nations, quite frankly, wasn't that good, you know, coming off a, a, a season-opening win in the Louisville uh, at uh, Churchill Downs. So, you know, I'm just wondering if Arklow has maybe just lost a step or two as he's getting older. Um, United, the last time out, John, uh, it's it's kind of odd to call three to one a, a big overlay price, but if you take a look at the, his last couple of races, when he lost to Charlie Whittingham two races back at Santa Anita, he went off at thirty cents on a dollar, and he just ran he ran off the board. He he, he just ran quite frankly a horrendous horse race. And um, Richard Mandela, give him credit, he's in the Hall of Fame already. He uh, you know put the screws back on this horse, and you know spent some time and got him back at the top of his game. He ran a huge race in the Eddie Reed. Even though it says he won by a neck, it, it, it believe me, it was almost like a measured neck. It was This horse was tons the best in the Eddie Reed. If he comes back and runs the same race, he's going to be awful tough. As far as uh, you know, some horses uh, outside of those to, to take a look at, horse that kind of looked, uh, uh, jumped off the page of me a little bit was the five master of foxhounds or master of foxhounds. But, uh, this horse, uh, Richie Baltus trains in Southern California, but he's gone on the road the last two times out. He went to Belmont in the Manhattan, a grade one field, real outstanding field, domestic spending, of course, uh, Chad Brown. And, uh, he, he ran a, a creditable race at huge odds. He ran in the grade one turf classic. Uh, again, he, he finished out of the money, but those were two of the toughest fields that uh, he's going to face anywheres. And uh, I think it's an easier task to, to come here back home to Southern California. I think Mastro Foxhounds could wake up at a real square price. Kent Stroma gets them out. Yeah, absolutely. And the San Luis Ray, he was right there with United and say the word. And uh, before we go, because mm-hmm. uh, got, I've got to do that, uh, on Arklow's uh, defense, that race that the United Nations didn't race well, he clipped heels and stumbled early on and really didn't get a chance to get into stride. I think maybe Giroux was taking care of him. I don't know, but we'll find out. He is seven. We know let's get along in the tooth. He, he gets uh, discounts at the hay barn and stuff like that for a senior <laughs> citizen. But nonetheless, my producer's telling me, hey, John, I love Rich too, but you got to say goodbye. Rich Ng, real quick, in 10 seconds, where can people find you? Uh, well, they can just go to uh, racedaylasvegas.com and they'll see my smiling face on the home base there. All right. It is usually smiling, too. And mine was smiling, too, when, when we uh, got our, our first guest on, Rich Perlman from TVG. All right. Well, that's it. I think I made it out in time. Thanks a lot. Go to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms, and bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week. 
and may your photos always be winners.